Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Building downtown. Building downtown. Hey, yo, this is the Building Downtown. Don't forget to follow us on social media at the Building DT. Don't forget, don't forget to follow and subscribe on YouTube, iTunes. <laughs> Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Jason Kelly. You can follow me at jkellymma. Joined as usual by my co-host, Krill Kasatsky. Follow him at Apostle Raps. And Amy Barton, unfortunately, could not be with us today. She's uh, traveling. But we do have a, a good replacement, actually, to come in and kick it with us for a little while. You may know this man. If you're in the Ontario combat sports scene, uh, you definitely know this man. Uh, kid knocked out for kidney disease. You may know him from that. You may know him from the world of medicine. Without further ado, let's bring in Dr. Faisal Raymond. How's it going today, my friend? Hey, Jason. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. It's uh, great to be here. Yes, we appreciate you. appreciate you lending some time. Uh, last time we spoke was, uh, I think the craziest thing going on was Evangelista Santos got hit with that flying knee from Michael Venom Page and caved his skull in. Uh, my, how the times have changed. We're living in a 2020s, a... Uh, a challenging time for everyone, especially with this COVID thing going on. And it's affected everyone in some way or another. But you're in a unique position where you work in healthcare. How has it affected and disrupted your life in terms of professional speak, like uh, your professional career? You know what? Um, the COVID crisis has actually, I, in my opinion, done more to affect patients who don't have COVID. And what I mean by that is, is taking care of patients who have um, who need knee replacements or hip replacements or who have autoimmune diseases or whatever it may be, it has become very challenging to manage them in the hospital setting. And people are suffering. People are suffering a lot. You know, my job has become a bit more stressful for sure, but, but compared to what our patients are going through, there is no mm-hmm. comparison. You know, I had a, um, a patient of mine who had already waited a year to get their hip replacement only to find out that was going to be canceled for several more months because the ORs had shut down when, when COVID was first an issue in, in March of, of this year. And so it is surreal. Patients have suffered a lot. Businesses have suffered a lot. The places where I used to get my dry cleaning done, get my breakfast, many of them have gone out of business. I, I, I can't tell you how many business owners I've run into who are in tears as soon as I enter their facility. Uh, because they, their 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 whole lives have been um, disrupted by this, and they're in financial ruin. So, so I think it's important that we show compassion for patients who have suffered from COVID and and, and try and deal with this. But but from my perspective, mm-hmm. I've seen the non-COVID patients suffer a lot. Really, eh? And when this thing first started coming on, the the, the reason I thought about this is because. Uh, obviously, I, I've lived in, in southern Ontario my entire life. I remember the SARS uh, scare quite well. And uh, a movie that came out afterwards, uh, I've watched it tons of times. I think it's a great movie. It's a, it was a CTV movie about the whole SARS thing. And they showed how once it was in the hospitals, they were they didn't know exactly what they were dealing with. And it kept getting uh, diagnosed incorrectly. And then once they realized we got a different kind of monster on our hands here, the fear and the 
the concern of the unknown in the doctors and the nurses within the hospitals. Is that kind of the vibe that happened in, in healthcare around here with this stuff that came on? Like, what, what was the feeling Jason, like? Is... Tell, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Let me go tell ahead. you, buddy. Let me tell you, buddy. This was, this is way worse. And let me yeah. explain why. SARS is quite deadly. It's a virus that, um, that again, can affect the lungs much like uh, COVID-19 can. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it had a high mortality rate. Uh, there are other viruses that have very similar mortality rates to SARS, if not higher. The mortality rate with COVID-19 is much less. The problem is it's very, very contagious, very transmissible. And, and if you're a vulnerable patient, meaning someone who's older or obese or has multiple medical problems, it can be very deadly. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, spread, it spreads very easily. And that's what's made this more scary and challenging. So actually, it was relatively more difficult to contract SARS or some of these other viruses. But, but the COVID-19 virus is very, very infectious. And so, um, um, uh, and it's true, the vast majority of, let's say, young people who get it may just sail through, get, have a bit of a cold, get a little sick, and then recover. The problem is then when they visit their grandparents or they visit their loved ones, it spreads like wildfire, and our vulnerable mm-hmm. patients are the ones who suffer. So this is way, this, SARS to me came and went, yep. uh, as a physician anyways, in my, in my business, and businesses mm-hmm. didn't suffer Financial ruin didn't happen to a lot of people. You know, it came and went. And this is having a long impact, and it may continue to have an impact for the next year or two. Mm-hmm. And when it first uh, came in and, and there still, we started having lockdowns and things like that, did you expect it to go this long or even longer? Or did you think it was going to be you more know, like a SARS the, thing in and out? You know, I was hoping. I was mm-hmm. hoping. And, 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 and I think, you know, we were learning as we went, right? You know, there's a shortage of PP of personal protective equipment. We didn't have enough masks. We still don't have enough hand sanitizer at times. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're constantly running low on all of these things that we need to be able to operate safely in the hospitals. But um, uh, I have to tell you, I, I, you know, I'd hope, okay, hopefully this will be an issue for three months. Then I said, okay, hopefully it'll only be an issue for six months. And now as it's gone on, even if a vaccine is developed, I think we're going to continue to feel the impact for a minimum of a year if not longer. Hmm. Bill, Gates, Bill Gates was saying that they expect the effects to be until 2022 uh, in one of his interviews. But I was just, I was just going to ask you about the vaccine. As far as, I, as far as I know, there's no vaccine for SARS, right? They kind of stopped it because they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't. Because- yeah, so, so there, are some pro- there are some promising vaccines in development. And in fact, um, very promising in that it appears that, that patients are developing good antibody responses. So you have to develop an antibody against a, a pathogen for it to neutralize it and be effective and prevent infection. And it appears with some of these early vaccine studies that they're pretty effective at generating an antibody response. But obviously, testing still has to happen. We have to make sure the vaccine is safe and effective. And that, you know, you won't know for about a six-month period at minimum, I would say. So, so the vaccines are promising, but uh, are, 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 even when they come out, there's going to be a delay in terms of, of their efficacy. Um, and uh, so I still think kind of what you were saying of 2022, that even with a vaccine, this isn't going to disappear. This is going to continue to be a problem. I thought that this thing mutates so much that the, the creating vaccine for it would be pretty much impossible because now they have like 30,000 strains or something. So, well, you know, viruses can, viruses can mutate. Um, it appears, though, it appears, though, that once you have had the infection, uh, the COVID-19 infection, you're less likely to reinfect. So 
that is a promising thing. Now, people have been reinfected. There are case, cases of patients who, who have uh, had developed um, uh, COVID-19 infection, recovered, and then developed it again. But that's very rare. But, but this is a main concern about cold viruses is that, in that they can, they can sometimes mutate. And it's not so much that they mutate, but you lose your immunity a year later. So, for what example, let's say, you get a cold, let's say you get a cold today from a virus, right? Yeah. Next year, that same virus can cause you to get a cold again. And, and, and part of the reason for that is you lose your immunity over time, right? And it's not that the virus is mutated. It's just that you're not, you're, you no longer have maintained that immunity. So, mm, these are all very great questions that you're asking and real concerns. And we're learning as we go. You know, we are, this has been a, a real-life learning experience. We did not really know about social distancing and masking in the early days, the importance of it. And then, obviously, it, it's, I think it's what saved Canada. I think we have done a lot better than many other countries because of this. And, and now with the second wave, Mainly that's a function of us having to try and return our lives to normal, having our kids in school, for example, and opening up the universities. Uh, this has caused a, you know, a bit of that second wave. And we have to ask our younger students to stop, you know, uh, do their best not to have unnecessary large group parties and such, because that's just going to make matters worse. That's why we're seeing an increase in the numbers, at least in London, and mm-hmm. I'm sure in many other cities in Canada. What about the, uh, you just mentioned how the countries handled it. Uh, I don't remember, Switzerland or Swiss, one of the S countries. I forgot the name. I, I was getting ready for this and I forgot. One of the countries there, they they saying that they beat it with the herd, herd immunity. They never they never shut down anything. Obviously, they took some precautions as like old people were taken care of better, but they never even shut down bars. And it peaked out and now, they're, now their rate weight went way down. They're lower than everybody else in Europe. You know, and, 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 and that's a fair question. Let me tell you one thing, though. This, this approach of let's get everyone infected and then everyone will be protected could be disastrous. In mm-hmm. Italy, for example, there were people who were dying left, right, and center because the healthcare system could not take the huge onslaught of patients that hit their hospitals. People were sharing ventilators. Can you imagine you're putting your loved one on a ventilator and sharing with, with someone else? Um, and and, and it, it was just horrible. People were dying in the hallways of the hospital. We trained a number of the physicians in Italy in nephrology, and they were messaging us saying that they're live in a living hell. Okay. So one of the problems with just letting everyone get infected is your healthcare system cannot um, cannot handle that volume. And you know, I, I don't know a lot about Sweden, but I suspect Sweden is not overpopulated. You know, they have um, their housing is not in close contact, so perhaps they were able to navigate it for those reasons. Yeah. But if they you probably, do that in China or any other large country, you're asking for trouble. And this herd immunity crap that people are, are talking about, will, yeah. our health system will not be able to handle it. I think by minimizing exposure, you, what we are doing is, is controlling the number of cases and preventing a huge onslaught of patients that our healthcare systems cannot, uh, uh, would, would not be able to handle. This just it seems like these are the questions that everybody is asking because everybody wants to go back to work for everything to open up, right? So and you were you seemed like the right person to ask that and you see it is as expected. You said that it could be disastrous and bigger crowds, right? So Switzerland or Yeah, Switzerland. no, and these are great questions. Yeah, yeah, I, I actually I think that was a, a, a great question, but I think people are always looking to want to return to normal. I want to return to normal. I want to travel uh, around the world and do things that I enjoy and uh, everyone's life has been affected and first and foremost you know my feelings are not for 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 
for um, you know traveling and the hobbies and stuff. But I'm more worried about our small businesses and our, uh, you know our entrepreneurs who are suffering. I mean that's that's got to be a priority of maintaining many businesses. But outside of that, if I have to if I have to not travel for a few months or a year or two even, if I have to inconvenience myself, so be it. Because we have to protect our citizens. We have to protect our older patients. It's and, not only, um, you know what I mean? It's important. always about the economy too, right? The country as a whole is going to suffer. Look at states that, that they, they turn into like a flaming garbage bang at this point. <laughs> yeah, but remember, remember what's happened in, in the United States is they, you know, their their administration did not take it seriously. They, mm-hmm. kept, they kept businesses open. They opened up Vegas. They opened up all these things. Look what's happening there now. People yeah. are, are dying, mainly a lot of older patients, but they're dying left, right, and center. They've had over 200,000 deaths, okay? So, mm-hmm. so, so, you know, at what cost do we open up the economy fully, right? At what cost is that? And, and at least in Canada, we're taking a measured approach. You know, mm-hmm. we're trying our best to keep the schools open. We're trying our best to keep restaurants open. We're, we're social distancing in the restaurants. I still go to, you know, despite, you know, I see the consequences of COVID-19, I still try and support my local restaurants. I eat out more than I've ever eaten out before. I use Uber Eats all the time, just trying to like pour whatever small money I can into the economy and support businesses. I've kept going to my dry cleaner. I think all of us who can afford to mm-hmm. need to invest in our small businesses and, and, and you know, spend your money and, and, and help support uh, all of your local businesses because those should be a priority to keep open. But That's- returning life to normal, we have to deal with this first before we can return back to normal. Mm-hmm. And the age we live in with social media and everything, everyone can get access to whatever they want. There's so much misleading information out there. Is this uh, one of the more dangerous things that we're dealing with as well? Because I see people sharing absolute nonsense on a meme and people commenting on it, thinking that they're hearing it from a very credible source. And I figure that has to cause some sort of problems in trying to get over this with people yeah. feeding into the misleading information. Is that more of an issue now oh, than ever? 100%. There's so many conspiracy theories. And the, the scary part is that some of these people are well-educated. Like, it's yeah. not just people who are not educated. Well-educated people are saying this is a conspiracy. People want to control the economy. This is done on purpose. Somebody engineered the virus. And, and the nonsense goes on and on, right? And, and then I'm, I'm also dealing with the anti-vaccinators. No vaccines. Don't. Oh, make, yeah. I'm never going to take that vaccine when it comes out. I don't believe in vaccines. Well, you can go back to the not 18th century and die. <laughs> it's just stupid. So, so I, I get so frustrated, right? So, so I've been de- we've been dealing with that before COVID-19, and now with COVID-19, it's gotten a lot worse, right? So I think I think unfortunately we we have to battle this with education and mm-hmm. do our best to to stop these kind of uh, ancillary. Uh, information sources from from working. I mean, you saw it on the news, even in the United States, people saying masks are killing people, and yeah. it's just um, mass hysteria. And part of it is our leadership needs to be more responsible. In Canada, we're blessed with excellent leaders. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'll just say it out here: I'm a, I'm a, I'm a liberal, but okay. but I have to say, the mayor of of um, the, sorry, the premier of Ontario, conservative, has done a wonderful job. Yeah. I, I give him like full marks for how he's handled. This crisis, uh, Premier Ford. And I, I would support him. In fact, he's done such a good job. Stop. I would vote for him as a liberal Democrat. I would vote for someone like that. In the United States, they have shitty leadership, right? They have they have um, people who are just speaking nonsense and are are, are truly uh, doing so so much harm. And in some part, are responsible for the over two hundred thousand deaths 
that have happened in that country. You know, wearing a mask and social distancing would have probably saved tens of thousands, if not hundreds, I mean, over a hundred thousand lives. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah. For you, uh, how has your, uh, your role changed at all? Like, have you been involved in any sort of programs or study groups or whatever it may be, uh, assisting with other parts of Canada or even other parts of the world since this has started? So, so I'm, I'm the site chief of, of medicine at University Hospital, uh, the London Health Sciences Centre. So, so I've been involved at the administrative level in terms of helping, helping formulate uh, operation plans that will help prevent the spread. And um, I help deal with the, um, some of our employees who get infected and, 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 and try and, and, um, and deal with those things. So a lot of my, my responsibilities are, are local. Okay. Uh, and, you know, but, but certainly, you know, there are other people like infectious disease specialists within our hospital who are mm-hmm. part of nationwide groups that are trying to ha- develop an overall approach in Canada. And Dr. Michael Silverman, who's one of my colleagues, has, has led some of those roles. Our infectious control doctor, infection control doctor, Dr. Michael Payne, is another person who has an impact more than just uh, locally. Uh, also, our within our communities, our um, local um, uh, uh, community health organizations like Dr. Mackey and others in London, but others, uh, you know, our, our local health authorities are also playing a big role in terms of making sure that Middlesex region and all of the smaller communities are are having um, a good approach to making sure that testing is available and that uh, people are are aware of what. Uh, uh, guidelines to follow to prevent infections. And have, in your career, have you ever seen anything like this? Like I, I, from the way you're explaining, it, it seems like it's all hands on deck. Everybody has uh, added a little more to their to their plate, and they're all working together. From what you were just explaining, anyways, with the names, is that kind of what it's like? And have you ever seen anything like that in your no, career? No, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. In the beginning, it seemed highly disorganized, very frustrating. Yeah. You know, not I, I couldn't get a we couldn't get enough N95 masks or protective gear for our patients. There was even a shortage of um, of gowns. I'm wearing oh. and we, we are wearing, in my opinion, suboptimal gowns now, even because there's such a shortage to try and 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 um, manage our patients. So we've done the best we can, but we we need our partners in industry to um, really pump out more masks, pump out more more gowns, pump out more. Uh, hand sanitizer so that we can keep us ourselves well stocked. We are in better shape now than mm-hmm. we were two months ago, but it's still not ideal. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a complicated healthcare system too. We have medical students, residents, uh, you know, nursing students, nurses, who we need to keep training mm-hmm. and, and all of these people need protective gear. So uh, it's not, you know, so we need to make sure we, we pump, keep pumping that stuff out. And I think as as this as this pandemic has uh, progressed, I do credit our leaders for for getting us in in, in, in a better position than we could have been in. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's saved it's saved tens of thousands of Canadian lives. There's the strategies that we've uh, put into motion. That's good to hear. Do you think that it's ever going to go? life will ever go back to normal in terms of like uh, like you at the grocery store now? There's arrows on the floor. Is you think that's just the way life's going to be now, just to prevent something like this from ever happening again? Certain amounts of distance. You know, that's, that's 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 what I'm. Uh, part of me is is, is wondering. I, I agree. I think this could be a long-standing yeah. process because people are going to be afraid. So yeah. even if COVID nineteen disappeared, you know, when's the next people are going to be concerned? When's the next pandemic going to hit? And you know, it used to be odd. You know, you walk into the grocery store, somebody was wearing a mask, you kind of noticed it. 
Now you yep. notice it if somebody doesn't have a mask on, right? I it's know. So, it's, it's so bizarre and yeah. um, surreal. And uh, I pray that things return to normal. Like I love sports, as you know, I love combat sports. When yes. are we going to be? When are we going to be able to hold a big uh, event where we have five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand people in an arena yes. watching a, a good fighting event? And and so, uh, just trust me. I want to go back to watching music concerts, to traveling, to doing things I enjoy. And I don't know when that's going to happen. And I don't know when the social isolation rules are going to be relaxed. And I don't know when people are going to stop wearing masks. It's uh, it's for sure interesting times, and I think the impact of this, even when if this virus, when this virus is hopefully in the past, I think it's going to be, like you said, a lasting impact. I can tell you, just at the university level, I teach at the medical school and at the university. I think things are going to be virtual for a long time, you know. And, and so, yeah. when can we get back into having 140 students in one classroom where we can interact with them and teach them? Um, I, I have no idea. Have you had to give a virtual lecture yet? Oh, I've given tons of them. Everything's yeah. gone virtual. And in fact, I'm, one of my responsibilities, I developed, uh, I helped develop the clerkship curriculum and the undergraduate medical curriculum for kidney disease. And um, it's required a whole, rest whole restructuring of how to develop this virtually. You can develop, you can definitely deliver a lot of material virtually, but how do you teach a student to listen to the heart properly? Or how do you actually teach them to do a proper physical exam? without doing it on a real patient. Video technology will only take you so far. So I'm, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely had an impact on our ability to train future doctors. Hmm. And speaking of uh, biz, local businesses going under, one that's, uh, I'm switching gears a little bit here, uh, one that's uh, closer to, to us anyway, a lot of people, except for the people directly involved in it, Parabellum MMA, Lynn Whitlock, Roy McDonald, home to Josh Hill, has shut down now due to uh, COVID restrictions and the government's response and uh, multiple other things. Have you, uh, what have you heard or seen in terms of the way it's uh, affected the combat sports world around here and the smaller gym yeah, owners? I, I feel, you know, yeah, you know, I, I never trained at Parabellum, but all of those guys are, are great young men. And, 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 you know, I feel for them, I think they, they really, um, uh, gyms uh, have been really adversely affected by this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And um, and and you know there there's a number of boxing gyms as well that have unfortunately gone bankrupt. And uh, the gyms that are surviving are the ones that are are flexible in their business approaches. The ones who are running Zoom classes, the ones who are redesigning their gyms to meet social distancing guidelines, mm -hmm. um, the ones who have put in 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 in, in, in screening processes in, in place to make sure that people who are entering the gym are doing so in a safe manner. And, uh, and have a diversified the way they conduct their business. So, mm -hmm. so I think you know that's that's why some of the gyms will survive. But 100%, this has been devastating to the combat sports world. You know, mm -hmm. athletes are not competing. The Olympic Games may be canceled, and there are a number of boxers who are who are really trying going to try and, and make the qualifiers and then go to the Olympics in Tokyo. So it's been devastating for athletes because their mm -hmm. their careers have really been put on hold. Yeah, and, and for the gyms as well. Yeah, and in London too, it goes, uh, and not just London, other places, it goes deeper than just uh, mixed martial arts. London is a, is a hotbed around here for mixed martial arts and combat sports, but you also have the London Knights, you got the, the university teams, sports teams and stuff. There's a lot of athletes that are in, uh, in, the, in London, in the London area 
that you know can't do anything right now except for jog down the sidewalk basically and for people who are uh, you know playing organized sports of some level whether it be collegiate a junior b hockey team whatever it may be regional mma fighter yeah i mean if you're not going to be able you're going to be able to be active for quite some time and i know and and you know so i think there was um for, I, I i i'm not as familiar with the hockey scene to be honest with you but in in mixed martial arts, I know a couple of the guys went to Montreal. I think there's an amateur league there that's operating back up again, uh, which with some risk, I think. But but yeah, the, you know, it's it's been it's been devastating, and and the impact on the athlete is huge. Depression, anxiety is up um, among some of the athletes that I work with, and um, and when you can't do what you love, it's going to negatively affect your quality of life. Yeah, um, that's. And, uh, that's awful. And then that affects your relationships and with others. And it's just, uh, it's been, it's been uh, a very trying time. Yeah. It's something Lyndon, Lyndon Whitlock mentioned when I spoke to him about how, you know, obviously he, by no means was he complaining about people being sick. His, his beef was with the government's response. And he's saying that, you know, you got to look out for these people who are sick now, but by taking away the livelihood of athletes or small business owners, uh, you you create new health problems like depression, as you just mentioned, and other things that go along with that. So the it's, there's a ripple effect that goes outside of this as well. That's not just you know the the coughing and and the symptoms of COVID. It's the the mental health, as you just mentioned, and and so many other aspects. Well, hundred percent. I think uh, it's um, it's it's devastating. I still don't know how we could have done something different than what we did, though, or what the government did. I mean, it. it I, I completely agree with Lyndon. Lyndon you know that mm-hmm. the, the the impact on the mental health of many people, not just combat sports athletes, but business, small businesses and others, has been devastating. But I, I don't know what the right answer is in terms of how better we could have done this. Because I tell you, uh, you know, if you saw what happened in other countries in, in China and then in Italy, you know, mm-hmm. it would make you think twice. And and I think life life has to take the foremost uh, importance in preserving life and, and such. And then, and then, but Lyndon's right. Now that we know a lot more about the virus, are there safer ways to try and reintroduce the economy, open up the economy? And we are, right? And as a result, mm-hmm. we're seeing a, a slight increase in infections, but we're not, I don't think the government's shutting down anything at this point. The universities are still open, the schools are still open, businesses, restaurants are still open. Gyms have reopened to some degree, although they're, they're, many of the gyms are practicing under different guidelines in terms of, uh, you know, many of them are not, many of the organizations, the PSOs are, are not uh, allow, in Ontario are not allowing sparring, for example. So there still are things that are, are, are um, not ideal and are probably impacting gym memberships. People are probably not uh, uh, paying, you know, coming to uh, join gyms because of these restrictions. Mm-hmm. It's scary, but I just don't know what else we could have done. And I feel for Lyndon, I feel for Parabellum 100%, but I don't know how, how we could have done a better job. I, I think at, that, at the time this all happened, we had to shut down um, some businesses and gyms to try and prevent uh, this from escalating. And I think it has saved lives. Mm-hmm. As someone who's worked uh, closely with the UFC and uh, varying levels of, of um, mixed martial arts with uh, events and promoters and that. What did you think when Dana started to, to put on events again and he was wanted to be the first one out there? Do you think he was a little bit nuts or the way he was going about it, did you think that uh, the outcome would be as, as positive as it has been? 
you know what? I give that guy full credit. I mean, yeah. he 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 saw a problem and he tried to find a safe solution and he put every safety protocol in place that he could. You know, uh, I think everyone involved with the show is being tested three or four times. Yeah. They're being screened carefully. You know, they're, 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 everyone's wearing masks. There's no big audiences watching the, the, the event. He, he opened up a whole new fight island in a remote place to and avoided overcrowding. Yeah, I have to give the guy credit. Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I, I give him a standing ovation from my perspective. Did he take a risk? Absolutely. But he tried to deal with this pandemic in the most responsible way possible. You know, I'm the I'm the chief, the head physician for the sports commissioner, sports commissioner of Ontario for combat sports. And, you know, we have talked about the fact that there may be some promoters wanting to do events similar to how Dana White did them with testing and stuff. And, and so we may have to come up with protocols. The reason nothing, nothing has happened, uh, because, you know, people make money from people coming to watch the fights. Dana White yeah. has a big pay-per-view component. He's got big advertisers, right? So if mm-hmm. Joe Blow promoter wants to hold an event in Ontario, he can actually, and probably our commission would have to come up with our own protocols to develop, but the fact of the matter is they can't afford to. So, mm-hmm. so I don't see anything in Ontario changing unless unless they're funded by UFC Fight Pass or by a bigger promotion in the United States to t- allow, allow people to do the testing and all of the tight protocols that are required because without an audience, you can't make money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is it expensive to do the testing like in terms of sports? Or does it not change well, from sports to regular person? You know, Sorry, for, uh, there's two separate there's two separate questions there. So just to do the medicals, MRIs, EEGs, blood work, and all that, yeah. it's more of a pain in the ass to actually access them sometimes because uh, MRI wait times are long. You know, not all athletes have family physicians who are willing to do these blood tests for them. Some charge, some don't. So mm-hmm. so the testing just to get your license is is a, is a pain. The COVID nineteen test is provided by uh, free of charge wants it right now the issue is you have to go to a screening center and get your test done and typically you'll get the results back within about 48 hours hopefully 24 hours but sometimes it's been up to 48 hours because they they can't handle the volume of samples that they're getting right now for example mm-hmm. so um so so if, if we were to hold a professional mma event let's say in london ontario today we could get COVID 19 testing for free by the athletes just going to the screening centers um, so there would be no cost for hmm. that test. Okay. Now, what's, and, the uh, cost? what's the cost to the taxpayer? I don't know, actually. I, I, can't, I don't know what the top cost is per test to the taxpayer. I should, but I don't. Okay. And uh, I know that we got to get you out of here soon. You have a lecture coming up, so let's uh, have a, at least a little bit of fun. We'll have to have you back again soon, hopefully when times have calmed down and we can have nothing but fun. But... Uh, so UFC, outside of the Ontario mixed martial arts scene, we got uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov and Justin Gaethje coming up. How does a fight like that make you feel? Does that get you excited? Does that get your blood going? I love it. I love Oh, absolutely. I love that fight. I think it's going to be a barn burner. I think, you know, there's always a question. Gaethje's got such a tremendous power, and he's a very good wrestler. So will he be able to negate Khabib's takedowns and land one of his uh, shots on, on Khabib? My, my, my feeling is that, uh, um, you know, uh, Khabib will dominate with his superior Sambo wrestling and yes. probably take him down and smash him like he does all of his opponents. 
But yep. <laughs> but 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 but, but exactly. But Gaethje's such an un, uh, a tremendous athlete and tremendous power and a lot of heart. And his wrestling is high high level. So it's going to be a, a I think an excellent fight. Excellent. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, me too. I I what I love about this fight. I mean, if I if I have to, you know, force to make a pick. You got to go with Khabib. We haven't seen him lose more than, what, a minute of a round in his entire career or something ridiculous like that. But uh, there's still the level of unknown is is very high in this fight com- compared to past people that Khabib has fought. And that's not a knock on any of those guys. But this one, it's a, it makes for a real interesting matchup. And if Justin can keep, keep it standing, I think Khabib is in a world of problems. But... I mean, who's kept it standing with Khabib so far? Nobody. <laughs> he just treats people however he wants. Yeah, he is incredible. Exactly. And you see people yeah. uh, People are really want, Khabib really wants it too for his retirement fight. Him versus GSP. There's a guy who's uh, very familiar with George St. Pierre. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying that would be the one to see. That You know what I mean? I'm excited about Geechee, but GSP and uh, Khabib would be insane. Yeah, but remember, remember Dana White. Dana White said he has a surprise after this fight, right? I think there was some sort of announcement yep. that he may be able to make that happen. So, uh, so if if Khabib imagine? beats Gaethje, if Khabib beats Gaethje, I bet he fights George St. Pierre. That would be I bet incredible. You that's what's going to happen. I think I think it would 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 be incredible. Again, I don't know. You know, George is an, is probably the, one of the best MMA wrestlers yep. ever. Yeah. Uh, you know, so so it'll be really, really interesting. It's kind of more of an interesting fight. And, and um, I think that would be a barn burner and uh, it would be, the fans would love it for sure. Another fun one that we got coming up uh, in the, uh, in boxing, just a couple old timers, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. Uh, did you grow up watching those guys when you were younger? Were you fans of them? Absolutely. I, assume. Absolutely. Yeah. I still remember, I still remember when, uh, when uh, you know Tyson won the world championship for the first time at 20 years of age, uh, the guy uh, you know he was just a phenom at that time, and Roy Jones' uh, hand speed second to none when he was in his prime as well. I I think though I think this is um, and this is my own opinion. I apologize not to be a downer, but I think this will be a, a circus show kind of thing. And I, yes. I, I you know they're both way past their prime. Roy Jones Jr. looked terrible his last couple of fights, and Mike I, is over 50. You know, so I, I, so I. I I think it'll be fun if you're just there to have a fun and watch it. But but I, I, I don't know if it'll be how high level it'll be. I know Tyson looks good hitting the pads. Like, he looks really sharp. But we're only seeing two seconds, three seconds of shot. Yeah, I had a, um, Ron Frazier on, Randy Couture's old boxing coach, like last week or the week before. And he was saying, yeah, uh, Tyson looks great hitting that bag in those videos. And he said, but for someone like him, you know, who trains professional boxers, he trained Randy, Randy Couture. I mean, you know what I mean? That, that says it right there. And uh, he said, for someone like him, when he watches that video, he sees things. It's not the same guy. You're not going to see the same person out there come fight night that we're used to from, you know, 15, 20 years ago, whatever it may be. Well, of course they're all both of them, right? But look at the, that's what I'm saying. My, my, I don't know about Roy Jones. I haven't seen him lately, but Mike looks like he's into some next level steroids. You know what I mean? He looks like, <laughs> he looks like he just turned to turn 35. You know what I mean? But his body is insanely, he looks like he's insanely ready, but obviously it's not the same man. I just think that Jones got himself in trouble though, but, 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 but the way the Mike's preparing, maybe Jones is not being as, um, as commercially published. You know what I mean? Everywhere all over the place as Mike is. 
but it looks like yeah, so, uh, I think I think you, you've hit it. You hit the nail on the on, on the head there. I think the main interesting thing is which old timer, which old timer <laughs> still got something left. There's really what you're saying. Which grand, which grandfather was able to kind of pull out Pretty... enough to do it? And 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 you know what? I don't know. I mean, I, Roy Roy Jones took a lot of damage in his last few fights, and Tyson's been retired. I don't know if if that will have an impact. But I think Roy Jones is a bit younger. I don't know the age difference between them. I suspect he's a bit younger. That might be a thing. But Roy Jones has looked terrible his last few fights. And uh, Tyson didn't look that great either his last few fights. But I think um, Roy's taken a lot of damage. So I think it would be interesting to pick who would who would look better. Mm-hmm. And maybe I would, uh, maybe, maybe I, I'd, I'd be willing to give Tyson a bit there. But, but it's hard to know. Uh, you know, Tyson relied on power and speed. And you, you tend to maintain your power. Roy Jones purely, I mean, he had power too, but he purely was a speed guy, right? Reflexes mm-hmm. and speed. And that's why he was world champion for so long. And as soon as he lost that, and, uh, and you kind of saw, saw the signs of that when he fought Tarver for the mm-hmm. first time, and, 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 and then all his fights after that fight, he lost his hand speed. And, and, and you know, that happens when you, as you get older. But one of the things that you don't lose is your power. Uh, yep. Maybe I'll give the edge to Tyson for that reason. Yeah, it's the last thing to go. That's what they say. Speed goes first, power goes last. Be- exactly, and you know George Foreman's proved that. Some of the, you know, the, 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 absolutely the, the the guys who depend on their power can, I suspect, can can keep their careers going a bit longer. But speed, if you purely rely on speed, you, you tend to have to retire a bit earlier. Yes. All right, Faisal. Um, it's been nice chatting with you. I definitely want to do this again sooner than later, but I also want to let you get out of here so you can make it to your lecture on time. Is there anything else you want to get in here before uh, before we let you go? Well, I just want to thank both of you guys for having me on. I, I, I love your podcast and I appreciate being a part of it. And I just want to wish everyone out there who's listening, uh, you know, a good health and, and, and patience. And I'm, I'm very hopeful that we'll get through this pandemic and be able to return to a somewhat normal life. Very good. Thank you very much again for joining us. For Dr. Faisal Raybon, for Krill Kasatsky, I'm Jay Kelly. This is The Billion Downtown, and we out. Peace. The Building Downtown. Building Downtown. Building Downtown. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.